0: Hey, good morning, Northridge Christian Church. I'm so glad that you guys are here today as we continue this conversation about mental health. Hey, before we jump into that, um, I wanna acknowledge a few people that are in the room. You may not know this, um, but October is actually Pastor Appreciation Month, and we have an incredible team of pastors that serve right here at the church. I wanna invite any of those from our pastoral staff that's in this service, go ahead and stand up right where you are and stay standing up, okay? We've got a few of them here. we got some that were in our earlier service. And I want you to know, God has built an incredible team here. Y'all stay standing. Uh, these guys are giving their time, their talent, their energy towards serving God in this place, and we are better for it. Uh, what I wanna do is I wanna have a prayer over these folks. So if you're sitting next to one of them, maybe you just reach out and put your hand on their back. If, uh, if you're not, just reach your arm out towards them, and we're gonna say a prayer together uh, for, uh, for these folks. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for all those that serve here at the church. God, I thank you for those that give their time and their energy, their resources, God, all they have to this place. God, I pray a special blessing over those that show up Monday through Friday, God, and they're investing in your kingdom right here in this place. God, I pray that you give them strength. I pray that you give them passion. I pray that you give them energy. God, I pray that you open their eyes to all of the different ways that they are making a difference in people's lives God, as we spend this whole month talking about mental health, I pray that you protect theirs. Allow them to be healthy and allow them to be strong. Allow them to feel your presence with them, but God, also to feel the presence of all of those in this church that are behind them. God, not just the ones that are physically behind them right now, but God, the ones that are there with them in the trenches, that love them, that appreciate them, and that want to serve alongside them. God, I thank you for the privilege and responsibility of leadership and I thank you for sending the right people to get it done. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Awesome, awesome. Hey, thank you guys very much. Hey, this is week four of a five-week series that we're calling, How Are You Really Doing? If you missed any message in this series, you need to go back and catch up, okay? We we started out, we were talking about the myths of mental health in Christian culture. Since then, we've talked about things like anxiety and depression, but today, we're going to turn our attention to the discomfort the danger, and the destruction that comes from living under the constant weight of comparisons. See, I tried to dig deep, and I tried to come up with with the perfect example for my own life about this, and it took me all the way back to middle school, okay? I wanna wanna paint a picture for you, okay? It's not a pretty picture, mind you, but it is a picture nonetheless. Okay, I I know this is gonna surprise you, but this guy right here in middle school, this guy was not cool, okay? Okay? This guy was not popular and this guy had no opportunity to ever be those things, okay? Until this guy got a girlfriend, okay? That's right, this guy got a girlfriend and apparently that was the threshold between unpopular and popular, I had no idea. And I know that because all of a sudden the most popular kid in school came up to me and he pulled me aside And he said, listen, I see something in you. I see potential. You're a project I want to take on. He said, you are this close to being popular. He said, but I can help you go the rest of the way. He said this. He said, if you want to be popular, here's what you got to do. He says, you need to get a shirt, well, kind of like mine. And you need to get a pair of jeans that are, you know, kind of like mine. And you need to get some shoes that are you know, kind of like mine and, and maybe a necklace that's like mine and, and maybe start styling your hair or growing it out so that you can style your hair kind of like mine. You see, what he told me all the way back then was that the only thing I needed to do to be popular and accepted was to abandon everything about me and embrace everything about him. You see, I laughed it off at that time because it was absolutely crazy, right? But but I went home that night and I actually considered it. You know why? Because I wanted to be popular like him. I wanted to be liked like him. And I wanted to be special like him. And if I'm being honest, I still have some of those feelings today. Don't you? Listen, let's do a game where we're going to find out just where you fall on this scale of comparisons. I want you to reach your hand out like this, all five fingers up, okay? And I want you to put a finger down if I say something that applies to you, okay? I want you to put a finger down if you've ever opened Facebook, Instagram, or some other social media app just to see how many people have liked or viewed something you posted. Put a finger down, okay? So real-time feedback on how you're doing compared to everybody else, okay? Put a finger down if you've ever been annoyed because something good happened to someone else. Okay, put a finger down. You deserved it more than them, right? Okay, what about this one? Put a finger down if you've ever thought about moving after going to somebody else's house. Yeah, all of a sudden you're like, I need a place of my own or I need more space or a view of the lake, okay? What about this one? Put a finger down. If you have ever felt superior to another person because of your job or your grades. Okay, put a finger down. All right, some of you are there. Okay, couple more, couple more. Put a finger down if you've ever become dissatisfied with your phone because Apple or Samsung released a later, greater one that has a 2% better camera. Okay, put your finger down if that describes you. Okay, that's a lot of you. Okay, one more. Okay? Put a finger down if you looked at somebody else's response to this little game before putting a finger down. Okay? Yeah, a lot of you guys are busted. Okay, Listen, we could keep going, couldn't we? I mean, scenario after scenario after scenario, we could unpack the fact that we struggle in this area of comparisons. But if we keep going, you guys are going to have to be counting on your toes and donating your shoes and stuff like that. Listen, if you answered yes to any or or even all of these, I want you to hear me loud and clear, okay? There is no shame or judgment in this place because we are all prone to fall victim to the comparison trap from time to time. But listen, we've got to reach a point as believers in Christ, as the church, where we come together and we recognize that we were created for more. We were created for more than just trying to impress others. We were created for more than accumulating more stuff. and We were created for more than stressing out about what everybody else thinks. Listen, today we're going to camp out in a story in, in 1 Samuel chapter 8. And, and we're going to unpack just how dangerous this idea of living by comparison is. And then at the end we're going to come back together and we're going to unpack some fail-proof strategies that are going to allow us to fight back. Go ahead and open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Okay, now let me tell you about 1 Samuel. It begins during the period of the judges, okay? This is a period of of 300 plus years where where the nation of Israel, they don't have a king. Instead, they're led by these these charismatic military leaders known as judges. And in today's story, Samuel is serving as the current and what will become the last judge of Israel. Let's find out why. 1 Samuel chapter eight, verses four through five. It says, so all the elders of Israel, they gathered together and they came to Samuel at Ramah. And they said to him, you are old. That's rude, isn't it? They said, you are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us. I want you to read this last part with me on the count of three. One, two, three. Such as all the other nations have. Okay, the people want a king. And they don't even worry about coming up with an excuse for why they really need a king. They just state it outright. They say, we need a king because all the other nations have a king, and we don't want to be any different. You see, kings in that time, they were providing national security and protection from the enemies around them. Now up to this point, God has provided that for the nation of Israel. He's provided strength and he's provided victory for that nation every time they humbled themselves and, and sought after him. But at this point, the nation has taken their eyes off of their own unique identity and strength. And instead, they've turned with jealousy, desiring what all the nations around them have. Story continues, First Samuel 8, verses 6 through 8. It says, but when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. And so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you they have rejected, but they have rejected me as their king. As they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. Listen, when the people demand that they want a king, Samuel takes it personally. And that makes sense, right? They called him old and they called him washed up. But God steps in and he says, Samuel, this isn't about you. They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting me. And they're rejecting the unique calling and purpose that I have placed on their lives. You see, what they don't know is that God has already developed a plan to give them a king, but it's not time for that yet. But rather than waiting on God's plan to come to fruition, they demand that they have what they want when they want it. They want to control their own destiny rather than trusting who God created them to be. Look at God's instruction to Samuel. 1 Samuel 8, 9 through 18. It says, now listen to them, but warn them. Okay, he tells Samuel, he says, I want you to entertain this. I want you to listen. I want you to be patient, and I want you to hear them out. But I also want you to warn them what's going to happen if I say yes. And then the longest portion of this chapter is given to the consequences that are going to come if God gives them exactly what they're asking for. Listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking him for a king. He said, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses, and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and others to plow his ground and reap his harvest, and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants. Your male and female servants and all the best of your cattle and donkeys, he will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen. But the Lord will not answer you in that day. This is what God says. Okay? This is the summary of these verses. He says, you can have what everybody else has. But if you have what everybody else has, it's going to cost you something that I want to provide. He says, if you want to be like everybody else, then you're going to have to face the problems that everybody else faces. All of a sudden, your money, your possessions, your own family is going to be given in loyalty to the king." But even more importantly than that, God says, if you wanna be like everybody else, you will forfeit the benefits of the unique and divine calling that I have placed on your lives. The people respond in the next couple verses. This is what they say. They say, but the people refuse to listen to Samuel. No, they said, we want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations with a king to lead us and to go out before us And to fight our battles. Listen, what these people do is they demand to duplicate the playbook of everybody else, even if it means sacrificing all that God wants to do in and through them. In spite of all that God has done in their past, they want to trade it in. They want to trade in what makes them special so they can have what makes them ordinary, average, and just like the nations around them. First Samuel chapter eight verses twenty one through twenty two that concludes the story, man. But it gives us a dire warning for living today. This is what it says: When Samuel heard all that the people said, he repeated it before the Lord, and the Lord answered, "Listen to them and give them a king." Let me tell you, this might just be the scariest part of not only this story, not only this book, but the entire Bible. This might be the scariest concept in the entire universe. It's three simple words. God gives in. He gives them exactly what they want, even though he knows that it is not what is best for them. You see, Israel's strength was in God's presence. Their calling is different. They are designed to be unlike the other nations, but they've lost sight of that by comparing themselves to everybody else. And so God lets them walk away from his perfect plan. Listen, this is what we're gonna take from this story and apply to our lives today. Sermon in a sentence. Comparisons cloud the clarity of God's call on our lives. Comparisons cloud the clarity of God's call on our lives. You see, like the nation of Israel, God has created us as individuals to be set apart. He's called us to be unique and different He's given us a, a purpose for our lives that's, that's completely unique to our personality and our, our giftedness. But with every single comparison we allow, and we cloud that call. We make it harder and harder for us to see and even embrace who God has called us to be. Let me show you what I mean. We have some incredible cameras in this room, okay? Okay. We have the ability to record what happens in here so that we can broadcast it out into the world out there. These are high-definition cameras, which is unfortunate because I have a face for radio, guys. But listen, they pick up on everything that happens in this place. Okay, they see every facial expression. They see every light change. They see every movement. Watch this. Oh, man, I tried to get them in the last service, too. They knew it was coming in this service. I was trying to trip them up a little bit. We got professionals back there. But let me tell you something, even though we have incredible cameras, let me show you what happens if we, if we cover them up with something insignificant, okay? We got this camera over here we're gonna show you, okay? I'm gonna move it and I'm gonna get right in the shot so you can see me, that's, that's scary right there. But look, you guys can wave, we'll move it around where everybody else can be seen too, okay? But look, everything looks pretty clear, right? I mean, you can see me, right? You can see my face, you can see my expressions, you can see all of the important things that you need to see. I've got this saran wrap right here. This is clear, okay? This is insignificant. You know when they say paper thin? This is more thin than paper, okay? This is essentially nothing right here, okay? You see, I can see you through it. It's, it's simple, it's, it's clear. But if I put it over this lens, okay? I want you to see what happens, okay? Crystal clear, but I put it over this lens, and it gets, it gets just a little bit more cloudy, right? Not a lot, but it gets just a little bit harder to make out the details. Well, then if I take another one of these, okay, and I put it over it, guess what happens? It gets just a little bit harder to see, okay? It's barely even noticeable, but it is getting more difficult to see. Let me show you another one, okay? Right here, I'm going to put this over it, and all of a sudden, look, it's getting harder and harder to see, isn't it? It's clouding the clarity. It's it's completely ruining the experience. You see, the more layers of this stuff that I add to this camera, all of a sudden it it takes that technology that allows all of this to happen and be clear and, and to serve a purpose, and it absolutely ruins it so that you miss out on the benefits of what it was created to do. Why am I telling you that? Because in the exact same way when we layer our lives with comparison after comparison after comparison, we make it harder and harder and harder to see with any kind of clarity who it is that God created us to be. We distort that that unique calling. We 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 counteract that unique function that God has placed in our heart and in our lives, and we're no longer able to be that person because we're too busy chasing after everybody else that we want to be. Let me show you what it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, my favorite verse in the entire Bible. It says, for we are God's handiwork. Okay, another translation of this would say we are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared an advance for us to do. You see, you and I as individuals, we are God's handiwork, we are his masterpiece. He created us with a purpose and a plan that is completely unique and different from everybody else's. We are set apart for a specific thing that only we can do. You know what that means? That means we no longer have to compare ourselves to that popular kid in middle school. It means that we no longer, moms, listen to me, have to compare ourselves to the mom that's down the street that seems to have it all together. It means that we no longer have to compare ourselves to the couple down the street who just got a boat because it doesn't matter. We can take the saran wrap off and we can look with focus and intentionality at all the unique things that God has created inside of us and we can let those things go We can put those things on display and we can be set free from the constant need to compare ourselves with others. How many of you would say you would prefer to live like that than the way you're living right now? Anybody? Man, me too. The problem is that peeling off that saran wrap is difficult, okay? It's sticky and it gets tangled up and it becomes something we hold on to. So I wanna spend just a few minutes talking about a few of the key biblical strategies we can use to overcome the comparison trap in our lives. Here's the first one. We can practice gratitude. Practice gratitude. It seems so simple, but I'm telling you, this, this, this discipline will transform our lives. In Mark chapter six, Jesus is with all of his followers, his many followers, and he doesn't have enough food to eat. It doesn't look like he or his followers are gonna have a meal, but he takes what he has and he lifts it up to heaven and he prays for it. And all of a sudden it multiplies and becomes an abundance to feed all of the people. Let me tell you something, the same thing happens in our minds when we lift what we have up to God and say, God, I wanna thank you for what you've given me here. I may wish I had more, but I'm just gonna take what you've given me and I'm gonna say thank you. And when you do that, man, you allow God to work in your mind to transform you to a place where you experience contentment and satisfaction and even abundance. Listen, this is one of the most effective strategies to fight back against comparisons. Last week, many of us got a free counseling session, okay, on on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Jamie Gray over here, a licensed therapist, she met with all of us. She fixed all of our problems, okay, in an hour, which was pretty impressive. But one of the things she was doing was she was explaining what self-care looks like. And she unpacked this idea of of gratitude. And, And this seemed to be the one thing everybody clung to. Because one of the resources that she made available was a gratitude journal. Okay, if, if you're anything like me, you've tried gratitude journals before. They basically just say, what's something you're thankful for today? What are three things you're thankful for today? There's only so many times I can write coffee and country music, okay? Like there comes a point where I need something to spark creativity and, and pull something more out of me. And this resource does that. You see, it gives some phrases that we're supposed to complete. Phrases like, today I had fun when? or something I accomplished today was, or today I was proud of myself because, or somebody I was thankful for today is. It's a powerful resource. We've already added it to our mental health resources on our website. You can access it just by scanning the QR code on the seat pocket in front of you. But I want to challenge you, church, embrace it for a week. Embrace it for a week. Just spend 10 minutes, five minutes if that's all you can give, and just Practice gratitude and it'll transform your life and it will set you free from the need to compare yourself to others. Here's the second thing we can do if we want to break free from the comparison trap we can celebrate others. When something good happens to somebody else, we can cheer them on. Look, when we look at life as a competition, When we look at the fortune of others as our own misfortune, we become incapacitated by the ways that God is working in their lives. But when we celebrate all the things that God is doing in the lives of others, then it frees us up to recognize that we serve a God who has enough love to go around. That's what it says in Philippians 2, 3 through 4. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. It says do nothing out of selfish ambition. Fight against vain conceit. Fight against the comparison trap by putting other people first. That's why the Bible tells us to rejoice with those who rejoice. Listen, folks, we are not losing because somebody else is winning, Their calling is different. We can celebrate their success while pursuing our own. And when we do that, it frees us up to experience and embrace our own unique calling in a way that we would never be able to do it otherwise. Listen, there's one more fail-proof strategy that will allow us to break free from the comparison trap, okay? But this one is tough. This one is more difficult than all of the others, but you can't boo because it's Pastor Appreciation Month and you're not allowed to do that, okay? But I'm telling you, this one requires some skin in the game because this is difficult. It's simply this. We can set boundaries. We can set boundaries. Set boundaries around what? Around anything and everything that threatens our mental health by drawing us deeper and deeper into the sickness of comparisons. Let me tell you where those boundaries are going to fall for most of us in the room Okay, yeah, there is study after study after study that reveals that people feel worse about themselves after they spend time on what? Social media. Social media. See, social media, tempts us to conform to the lifestyle, to the look, to the spending habits, even to the priorities of others. That's why Romans chapter 12, verse two, it says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the pattern of Facebook, Do not conform to the pattern of Instagram. Do not conform to the pattern of TikTok, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let me tell you something. It is almost impossible to be satisfied with your own life when you're constantly looking at what everybody else has. And so when we eliminate social media or when we pull back and limit our access to it, all of a sudden it frees us up to spend time thinking about the blessings and and the accomplishments and the responsibilities that God has given us. It reduces the number of reference points that we have to compare ourselves to others. Setting boundaries is the strategy for how we fight back against comparisons. Listen, let me tell you something. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to stay that way. If we struggle in this area, and I do, it's time that we fight back. It's time that we deal with the mess that's in our heart so that we can experience the clarity of God's call on our lives. Where are you vulnerable? Where do you need to fight back? Listen, this world needs what only you have to offer. God created you and nobody else like you. This world needs to experience your passion and your giftedness, your heart, your strength, your commitment to him, your love for others. Let that be enough and let everybody else pursue their own calling. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for creating us with purpose. God, life without purpose doesn't have any meaning, but you've given us all a purpose and it's all different, God. We all run in in different directions and and that's good because you've called us to do that. God, I pray that you fill us with a contentment and a satisfaction to be running towards what it is you want us to run towards. God, I pray that you give us an ability to, to lean into your plan and your purpose for our lives to embrace who it is that you've created us to be and to stop pursuing what everybody else has. God, I pray that if there's an area of our lives where we can become better and we can become stronger, I pray that you convict us of that. But God, let it be about you and us. Don't let it be about everybody else. Allow us to put down the comparisons and live out our lives the way that you have called us to. God, use us to make a difference in the world around us. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, I want you to know that um, nobody is immune to this. Okay, there's nobody in this room that doesn't struggle with comparisons at all. Okay, yesterday I was doing a wedding and and, uh, it was a wedding for somebody in our church in Jackson. And and the reason I was excited about the wedding is because they told me I could wear blue jeans. Okay, that's all I needed to know. Sign me up, I'm ready to go. I don't wanna squeeze into a suit. And so I was there, and I was doing the wedding, got blue jeans, and I got boots on, and then I'm I'm looking at all the other guys. They're wearing cowboy hats, and they've all got boots. It was like a Yellowstone wedding, okay? But all of a sudden, while I'm standing on stage, the bride's coming down. Like, everything's perfect. The music is wonderful. The family, there's so much love. You know what I was thinking about? Man, I had boot envy, okay? Those guys had some nice boots. They were much nicer than my boots. Mine are two years old. I wear them every single day. If I don't wear them, you guys get mad about it. You reach out to me. I wore a different pair of shoes one time, but I got boot envy. And all of a sudden it hit me while I'm standing in front of this crowd of 150 people. I'm sitting here comparing myself to others and I have to preach on comparisons in the morning. As we all struggle with this. In one way, shape, or form, this is a struggle for all of us. Maybe you're like the nation of Israel. Maybe you're like me. Maybe there's a specific area of your life where you know this is a struggle for you. Maybe you want to surrender that to God over the next few moments. Maybe this isn't a specific area of your life. Maybe it has plagued your entire life. Maybe you say, I just live my life this way now. I just live my life constantly comparing myself to others, measuring my value and my worth by what I see in other people. And I just need God to come in and completely do a heart transplant on me so that I can experience the freedom of his calling, his purpose and his presence in my life. Listen, wherever you are with that decision, we're gonna sing a song and it's gonna proclaim that we are who God says that we are. We're gonna release ourselves from the burden of carrying these comparisons around any longer. The altars are going to be open. If you want to come and pray and just give those things over to God, we want to encourage you to do that. There's going to be prayer partners at both sides of the stage over here. Just follow the lights, and they would love to talk with you and pray over you. But if you're going to handle business where you are, make sure you proclaim these words as a prayer to God, saying, God, I am who you say I am, and that's enough. Y'all stand up and let's sing.